When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Omar Ahmed for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. I'm down here at the MTK Performance Centre with trainer Ben Davison. The MTK Performance Centre is getting a bit of a rep, isn't it? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Doing all right, haven't we? So, yeah, um, enjoying it. Good place to be, good environment to come to work at. And, um, yeah, very pleased with this start of the gym. Why work with the uh, inverted commas? It's not work, is it? Do you know what I mean? The old, the old saying of do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to um, to do something I enjoy and something I love for what people call work. Well, before we talk about the boys down here, um, obviously you had a very busy time across the pond yeah. with uh, being in Billy Joe Saunders' corner, obviously heading up Josh's corner, and also being in Devon Ainey's corner. So let's start with uh, the positives. Uh, Josh Taylor coming undisputed champion obviously at the time when he come back etc and you know Andrew was speaking to I don't think it was right to ask what was next that was just about the moment yeah um, but now there's been a, a few weeks to settle down and Josh has had a bit of partying out of the way yeah. um, wh- what do you think is next for Josh is it that that mandatory with Jack Cattrall or are we looking at a, a potential mega fight abroad he's got a few options I think if, with a hand injury it's just stalled things a little bit obviously he picked up a hand injury in the fight so um He's just getting that sorted out whilst obviously dealing with the things and commitments that he's had with media and whatnot, um, and also enjoying his uh, his achievement. Um, so we've been discussing um, sort of time frame and what's possible and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, you know I'm sure we'll we'll have some news in the next couple of weeks of of what'll be next. From them fights with Kong Song, even though it's very short, and yeah. those rounds against Ramirez, have you seen from Josh? what you wanted in terms of what you've been working on? Because you have had a while with him now yeah. um, in a lot of camps. Have you seen what you wanted from Josh in them two fights? Yeah, we've been working together like 18 months now, which is which is plenty of time. And actually people were saying, going into the Ramirez fight, like, oh, um, have you had enough ring time? Like, you know, talking about what we wanted Josh to do and discipline and this, that and the other. Um, has it been enough time to install that in him, etc., etc.? But we'd been working together for like a year, over a year by the point time the fight came around. And whether whatever happened in, in the first fight, a quick blow away, um, you know, that come from hard work. You know, you don't go in with, with fighters that get to number one spots and blow them away through just turning up. You know, it went through hard work and quality preparation and 
Um, so we we have more than enough time, um, and I've seen everything that I need to see. What what really impressed me in the last one was obviously it was Josh's big moment, and I'm a firm believer in rather than like as a coach, I, d I don't like. Oh yes, I know a bit about nutrition. I'm not a nutritionist. I know basics. I know a bit about strength and conditioning. I'm not a strength and conditioner. Um, so I like people to employ the best people in their fields um, to do those things. And I was impressed with the investment that Josh made in himself um, for the fight. A lot of fighters I often see they don't want to invest in, in themselves. They don't want to pay money for for top, top quality training camps, but they expect a top, top quality performance. And when the top, top quality performance doesn't come, it's like, well, it's this fault, it's that fault. Well, you're in charge of the team that you employ. Um, and that's something that I was very impressed with Josh because he wanted, you know, the best team that he could get. And and that's what he done, and he paid for it, and he reaped the rewards from it, you know. Um, Dan Lawrence done a, had a, done a fantastic job, strength and conditioning, more than that. Um, all-round performance, really, you know, um, but went above and beyond. Um, David Jenkins done his physio work, done a fantastic job, um, above and beyond. John Poppy done his nutrition, um, went above and beyond. Terry McCormack gone above and beyond, like father figure for Josh, um, as well as a, a coach as well, um, and myself, you know. So, plus he had his friends come out that supported him there to take his mind off it at times when that needed to happen. Um, Chris Congo come out, you know, work, work with Josh for so many camps. Um, so it was a proper family unit, and like, but like I say, a top quality unit that um, all were the, were the best in their field to, that Josh could get to have the best team available. And like I say, the performance showed that. Lee Wiley. Lee Wiley, sorry. <laughs> How bad's that? <laughs> um, obviously Lee Wiley. I don't consider Lee Wiley, like because obviously Lee Wiley's here with me all the time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But yeah, I was thinking there, yeah, I feel like there's one more. Um, obviously Lee, you know, and again, when I talk about above and beyond, Lee's up late and if he's here in the gym with me, sometimes he's, he's down here and in the gym with me. Um, and although it's a video an, an analyst and that is sort of the label that he's sort of been given, but he's a coach, you know, he's a coach as well and a very good coach. So even when he's down here and he's in the gym, the extra time when the lads go back and switch off, He's back, you know, we're both back watching footage um, and Lee will be putting together breakdowns of the sparring, of this, of that. So, yeah, the absolute best of everything. And that's when I set this gym up, that was exactly what I wanted. 18 fights in and he's put himself in the pound for pound list, which is quite freaky, to yeah. be fair, um, especially in the division that he was in. That 140 division, I think, gets overlooked sometimes. It's a very tough division and he's cleaned up in that. Um, talking about Jack Cattrall, as mandatories goes, I mean, it'd be two Brits for the undisputed titles, mm. um, potentially at Edinburgh Castle. So it's not like it'd be a, uh, it's kind of a small fight. It'd be a big fight. So I think Josh has said as well, because Jack stepped aside and allowed that, that undisputed fight to take place, that you know he's, he's open to giving Jack the opportunity. Yeah, of course, Jack actually come over for the fight, and to be honest with you, he was actually with us, you know, for a few days of the fight week that he was there. I've actually done uh, a couple of days of work with, with Jack a few years back when we was in the um, when we was in the MTK Marbella gym. You know, a really nice lad, and he's earned his place to get to the position to be mandatory. Like I said before, you don't get given those those. Um, 
those rankings and don't get given opportunities to just become mandatory. Um, so he's earned his right to be there. And like you're saying, all, all British um, Scotland v England showdown is uh, obviously makes for a great fight. Absolutely. Of course, there is also a lot of business to do uh, across the pond. There are some mega fights there. So Terence Crawford um, being the one that Josh, Josh has been heavily linked with. Obviously, they're both with top rank. Terence has struggled to, to get fights at 47 as well. Would you say that across the 140 and 47 divisions that Terence presents the biggest challenge to Josh? Yeah, I would say so, being honest. Um, you know, he's, he is a top, top quality fire, top three pound for pound. Um, and proved it, you know, it's not a case of, oh, he's had a couple of good wins and he's, you know, off the bat and what his achievements have been. And realistically, it's a former undisputed 140 king versus the current 140 pound undisputed king. Um, both unbeaten as well, so it's a, it's a fantastic fight. And a fight that's, that's quite easy to make, you'd imagine, with, like you said, both being the top rank. OK, so someone who is... Uh entered the 140 division, will be starting from this weekend as Javonta Davis. Obviously, they fight for the regular title. Uh, did you see Tom Gray's post about it? I saw, you know, obviously, like, they've sanctioned the world title when you've got an undisputed champion, but it is what it is, you know. It's, um, it's one of them. I don't think anybody would be arguing against anything. You know, it's, it's as clear as day, sort of. The way, especially the way Josh went about it with the, with the Super Series and that, and then obviously him and Ramirez... Um, you know, he is the undisputed champion. Um, but, but I always say it myself, boxing's a business, so it is what it is, you know, with the, with the WBA regular title on that. How do you think he'll fare at 140, Tank? Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Obviously, he's, a, he's been a physical monster at the at the lower weight categories. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on with, with Barrios and... Um, and obviously another weight division, he boxed Santa Cruz last time, but Santa Cruz has come up from, from lower weight categories. Um, so, be an interesting fight, I'll, I'll keep my eyes on it, but it's one of them that, from PBC, you know, they can't make Crawford against the fight from PBC at the minute, so I think it'd be difficult to make, make that as well at the moment. Well, someone who else is with top rank is obviously Tiafimo Lopez, who might come into the 140 division. Him and his dad had some comments for Josh uh, saying, kind of show your balls, don't duck us. When we come up to 140, believes that Josh is scared of Tiafimo Lopez. What do you think that's all about? You're laughing because it's not the case. Everybody knows it's not the case. Um, but they've got to sell ourselves and I get it. It's one of them. Um, me personally, I think that Lomachenko boxed a Nakatani fight. If he comes through it well, then top rank will probably look to make Lopez and Loma again rematch. It's a fight that I'd like to see, a fight that a lot of people would like to see. Um, and then they'll probably take it from there. But as we've said, you know, there's the, the he's not undisputed at, at 135. So he's being sold as something that's not. Because um, Devin Haney's the WBC lightweight world champion. Well, that leads me on to the uh, other positive from your trip where Devin Haney uh, put on a brilliant display against Jorge Linares. And, yeah, that fight has been talked about a lot uh, with Devin and Tiafima. What, what would you want to see now being part of Devin's team? What do you, what do you want to see Devin do next, Ben? Yeah, it's not, it's not my place to sort of manage his career. Obviously, he's his dad's his manager and obviously he's with Matchroom. Um, be interesting, obviously. But look, 
no one's done that to Linares round after round after round. People go, you know, for nine rounds. Realistically, he got clipped with a shot at the end of the tenth, but he won ten rounds. Um, and you know, whatever whatever comes up for him, I don't think that, especially with Tiafimo doing the top rank deal, I don't think top rank going to be open to doing a deal, a match for him to make him and him and Devin not at the moment. So whatever comes his way, I think that Jojo Diaz and uh, Fortuna fighting in a few weeks, and he'll have 90 days to defend against one of them, um, the winner of that. So, yeah, it's no rush. He's got all the time in the world, but he's also got the skill set to, to dominate that division now, I believe. I know you've always been a fan of Devin, but obviously being up close with him for a uh, kind of a full camp in Las Vegas with the fight with Jorge. How impressed were you with Devin and how far do you think he can go? Yeah, he's, look, the ceiling is as high as it gets, you know, super, super talented. Um, wants to, the, the hunger to learn, the, the, the eagerness to improve and, and want to get everything right. Um, a lot of fighters, they're not open to criticism. Even when it's not, it's constructive criticism. A lot of fighters aren't open to it. He seeks it, you know, he seeks out for it. Um, and that's a huge factor for me in, in why, you know, I think his ceiling, that takes the ceiling even higher than, than what the talent does um, because of his attitude and... You know, I look forward to to working with him and and um, hopefully stand a part of that journey to see how far it can go. Absolutely. Okay. So of course, um, the the unfortunate part of your your trip there was the loss that Billy Joe suffered to Canelo Alvarez. Um, a lot of talk after the fight whether Billy should box on again or not. Um, I think he come out on Talksport and said him and Dad are going to have discussions about it. Um, have you spoke to to Billy since? Uh, you've come back to the UK and also if you give him any advice on, on what he should do, Ben? Yeah, it's not for me to, uh, to, to make a decision like that for him or to, you know, if he asked me what I thought, um, then I'd give my opinion. But to be honest with you, obviously we had a, dis a bit of a discussion about the fight, etc, etc. However, everybody he probably sees talks about the fight. So after a little while, the last thing he probably wants to talk about is the fight, you know. Um, he probably just wants to be able to engage in normal conversation. So I spoke to him the other day, um, again, obviously we spoke about the fight, um, but spoke to him the other day again. Again, touched on it, but, you know, you don't want to keep talking about the fight. Um, so just general chit-chat. Um, I think it's good for him and good for anybody, whether he wants to carry on boxing or not, whatever he's doing to... To do a bit of training, keep ticking over, he's obviously still recovering, but just to keep in an environment because to completely, I think that's where a lot of fighters struggle is when they retire, it's like, I'm done now, you know, finished. Don't go back to the boxing gym. However, I think almost to to wean yourself off, and it's part of a trainer's job, and when you've got a, a fighter at that level and you're getting paid good money, I think part of the job is to, if they decide to retire, you know, Still, they still come in the gym day a week, two days a week, whatever. 
still do a bit of training because that environment I think is the hardest thing for him to, to, to deal with losing rather than the actual I'm not going to fight again. It's the case of I've not got nothing to get up and do. I've not got any motivation today. Um, I'm not around anybody today. And the whole life's tipped upside down from, from what I've known from, from, from young. So, yeah, I'm sure Billy Joe will, will pop in the gym, see the lads, probably do a bit of training, whether he decides to box again or not. Um, just to keep himself busy, he obviously... The way Billy Joe is, he always keeps himself busy anyway, but to keep himself busy with, with good things, you know, health, mental health, all these kind of things, and, and keeping an environment around people that, that he knows and can have a bit of, bit of crack with, um, I think that, that it's, it's a positive to, to be able to do that. If he decides to carry on um, and that eye heals up fully, which I think we can assume it will do, um, from that fight with Canelo where he's gone in with pound for pound number one and been very competitive at times, mm. how much do you think Billy Joe can still achieve in this sport? I think he only I think he only gets better from that because it wasn't a oh, I took a hiding like he was well in that fight. Maybe Canelo was around, maybe two rounds up. Um, some people had Billy Joe ahead. He asked me the round before, the end of the round seven, how's it going? And I said it's close. Like I thought probably Canelo a round up. Um And then got hit with a shot that even even that shot that, that broke his eye in three places, he didn't get wobbled and carried on for 90 minutes. Um, Seconds. 90 seconds, sorry, 90 minutes. Okay, now. Um, <laughs> the Euros are on, in it? That's what's in your mind. <laughs> so he showed his class. I actually think a negative is the last time he was in the ring with somebody as sharp, not as good, but somebody of that world-level sharpness, quickness, um, it was probably Willie Monroe. It was a long time before, you know, he hadn't. I think it took him a couple of rounds to to get his mind back sharp and, and thinking on that level. And I actually think if he keeps on the job, he only gets better um, after that experience. And I feel like he grew into the fight. He was growing into the fight because of that. I think he hadn't where he hadn't. It took him a few rounds to get back to that level of sharpness. Whereas. If he kept on it, you know, that, that's the level that his mind's working at now. Um, and we always talk about activity, but it's okay being active, and but boxing at a lower level. You need to be boxing at that top quality level, being active, you know. Okay, now let's move on to July 24th. I've heard you talk many times about this fight between Fury and Wilder, and you believe that Wilder's going to start at a much quicker pace, mm. because he has to, mm -hmm. that's his best chance. However... Could that actually play into Tyson's hands early and Tyson could end up getting rid of Deontay earlier than he did last time if Wilder just comes at him with a high intensity? 100% it can play into Tyson's hands. It's how Tyson goes about it, you know. I'm just talking about there's two people in there. I'm talking about how one person's going to approach the fight. I think the Wilder will come out, establish himself early. I think that he'll create a barrier between him and Tyson using his lead hand to say, the moment you step into my space this bomb is going off. Um, that's not to say that Tyson can't put him under pressure, but I think he'd have to be a little bit more thoughtful about how he applies the pressure than he was. I'm saying that than he was in the second fight. I just think he still, you know, the way he closed the gap and pushed Wilder back was, was educated. I just think that there'll be less chances for him to push Wilder back or let his hands go as much. Um, in this fight, if Wilder's going about it the way that I think he will, 
However, like you say, for Wilder to start faster, is he going to be and have enough time boxing in that style to understand how to be efficient in that way? I think that he could end up blowing his load if Tyson goes about it the right way. Um, and it could end up being over quicker. But, you know, there's not to say that Wilder's always going to be a threat because of the way he punches. Mm. And if you stepped in recklessly and don't respect that, you potentially could be heading into trouble. But I think that, like I said before, I say it all the time, I think Tyson's too versatile um, and he can make those adjustments, make those adjustments very quickly. And we'll just be, be able to do a little bit too much as the fight progresses, as the fight adjusts, as the rounds go on. Um... Tyson know when to apply the pressure, when not to apply the pressure, how to apply it, how not to apply it, um, when's the right time to go, when's not the right time to go. He'll know those things. Um, but it's just important he's respectful of, of Deontay Wilder and doesn't just think, I can walk straight to you. Because I do believe there's fundamental errors that were made in the second fight that he hasn't hadn't made in previous fights. Or made in previous fights, but... You know, people talk about can't go on the back foot. He's knocked a lot of people out on the back foot. A lot. Spilker. All tees. Twice all tees. Um, lots and lots of times he's brought people into the shot. Um, I just think that the way that and the amount of pressure and the amount of non-punching activity that Tyson was giving to Deontay Wilder in the second fight. And I think Wilder went into the fight expecting the fight to start slower. Um... I just don't think that'll be the case this time. But like I say, you know, it could end up that after a few rounds, Tyson could end up getting rid of him even quicker. In the first fight, of course, uh, Deontay did throw a lot of shots. His volume was quite high. If he comes out even quicker in this third fight, if you had to make a guess, how many rounds do you think Deontay could keep that intensity up for? Oh, I don't, I don't know. That's, a, that's a, a funny question. The thing is, in the first fight, obviously, Tyson was coming back off a 10-stone weight loss. So there was times where, yes, Tyson could have potentially upped the tempo. But the reality was we didn't know what was in the tank. Against Pianetti, he had 10 rounds after losing 10 stone that you know, he had to cruise through because he didn't really have more gears in him at the time because he just lost a lot of weight. Um, so it wasn't there. However, um, after having time to recover from the weight loss, which I said this after the Wallin fight, you know, he needed time. Five fights in the space of 18 months, 10 stone weight loss um, in to be honest with you, not even 18 months. Um, 10 stone weight loss, five fights, training camps, training every day for his mental health, also living his social life outside of that. Um, all the media and PR that was going on, fatigued. Needed a bit of time to rest and recover. And that's what he's got right now, I think. I think he knows, has a better balance of when to push himself, when not to push himself. Although he's training every day because of his mental health, he knows when to slow it down, when to pick it up. Um, and these kind of things to help him peak for his performance um, for the fight night and I feel like he was re more rested, recovered um, and physically in a better place going into that second fight and I believe that that will happen again even in a better place going into the third fight so my point that I'm making there is although Wilder may up it and could fatigue I think Tyson will be physically better which means that Tyson will be able to bring put even more pressure on at the right times um, and be even more of a physical um, specimen in, in front of Wilder so 
it depends on the way Tyson goes about it, you know. He might say, do you know what, I can sense that danger's still there. Um, so I'm going to let a little bit more steam come off him. But at the same time, you don't want to do a Lomachenko versus Tiafimo and, and let too many rounds go by. Mm. So it just depends on, you have to know what you need to do, but it depends on what the opponent's bringing. Um, you've got a plan there, but sometimes it's a case of forcing the opponent to do more than what he wants to do. If Wilder's going to set a higher pace, OK, I'm going to make you work harder than what you you had in your mind. If Tyson's able to do that, he could be blown out in three or four rounds. I want you to be honest here. However Deontay approaches this fight and however Tyson approaches this fight, is this still the most dangerous fight for Tyson Fury in the division at the moment? Yeah, Wilder's always the most dangerous because he's got a, that one hit a quitter. That's the reality of it. You know, I don't think he's the most. Da I think the most dangerous fight. And I actually said it with you the interview with you after after Belfast, where I said he shouldn't take this yeah. first Deontay Wilder fight because, like I said, he was fatigued from losing ten stone. He was not ready for that fight. Um, to be a anywhere near hundred percent, but I still, as I said to you at the time, still capable of winning. But he's definitely narrowing that percentage. Um. But it remains the same, you know, when you can punch like Deontay Wilder, as quick as Deontay Wilder, always going to be a threat. What did you make of Deontay Wilder's silence at the press conference last week? I wouldn't take anything into it, you know, people were saying Josh being, being um, quite loud and vocal and aggressive fight week, oh, he's going to come out and get involved too much, but... It doesn't mean anything. Everybody's mental approach, what one person thinks um, is right, someone else thinks is wrong. Each to their own, you know. He'll have his. I think he he knows what he needs to do. He's got in his mind whether I think it's right, whether anybody else thinks it's right or not. I think he knows what he wants to do and what he feels he needs to do. That's a dangerous man. And last one on this, just your thoughts on his link up with Malik Scott now being head trainer. Malik Scott is a knowledgeable guy. As sad as it is. I've had conversations and seen Jay Diaz talk about boxing. I know Jay Diaz has a better boxing brain than what people give him credit for. I know that for a fact. Um, but what John on fucking Twitter thinks doesn't matter because it probably goes straight over the head what he's talking about because they haven't got a clue. That's the reality of it. Jay Diaz knows more about boxing than what people think. So um, it's not taking anything away from him. But I know Malik Scott's a, a knowledgeable guy as well. And... Um, You know, the fact that Deontay Wilde is open for more information. Whatever happened with Breedend happened with Breedend. Obviously, Breedend's a fantastic boxing brain as well. Um, but it's one out and one in. Malik Scott's got a fantastic brain as well. Um, whatever people think is a fighter, they fought each other. That, that, that itself says a lot. He beat Malik Scott and hired him as his coach. So that itself says what type of attitude he's got to improve him. Like I said, a man with a plan is a dangerous man. Of course, this has all come around um, through the collapse of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Suggestions from Team Joshua that perhaps Tyson fears this fight, what do you think about that? Nah, it's all nonsense, isn't it? Whether that, if they believe that, it's silly. Um, if they're just saying it for marketing, brilliant. Um, can't knock it. But obviously, 
uh, I think the fight was pretty much, you know, Tyson actually announced it early, obviously, before, so how can he be scared to fight? He actually went and announced it, so no one can, uh, I'm so sick of it talking about it, no one can argue about what the, the arbitrator come out with, the decision that he come out with, it's nobody's fault, it is what it is, just got to get on and deal with it, simple as that. You summed up well there. Um, how do you think he approaches the fight with Alexander Rusik, Joshua? I'm talking about. I don't know. I think that if he looks to, because he has shown more of a, more of a boxing IQ, more of a, a boxing student. Um, you know, trying to set traps, and he's falling in love with that approach. However, I think that approach for this fight is the wrong approach. Um, Tony Bellew had success doing it at times, but I think that's a physical specimen like Joshua. I just think will be too much. If he makes himself a physical specimen and, and imposes himself on Usyk, I believe that he will be too much. Not done recklessly, um, but really makes it a physical fight. I think that he'll end up stopping Usyk. Okay. Updates on Lee McGregor and Shabazz Massoud, please. Lee McGregor is just waiting on a date. I believe that he's been called for a mandatory defence of his European title. Um, so just waiting on... Um, that day, um, Shabazz got some offers, obviously with the expansion of Matchroom to the zone, another platform. Um, Shabazz got a couple of offers on the table from a couple of promoters that we're just going over at the moment um, to decide what's best for 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 him to go because. Pre-lockdown, I would have said English title for Shabazz, brilliant. Got made mandatory for the English, yet couldn't get an opponent for it. Jason Cunningham was mandated for it, but obviously got an opportunity for the European. When I won the European, can't blame him. Having the fight with Brad Foster, British Commonwealth and European titles, brilliant. Can't blame that. Um, with the hold-up that it's been, Shabazz hasn't... I'm not interested... Shabazz is beyond that level, with no disrespect of, of the English title, so... I'm not interested in him sitting and waiting around for now to have an English title shot. Shabazz needs to show his class. If he is what I believe he is, you know, he'll go above and beyond that. So, fight that I'm looking for for Shabazz is someone like Baluta, who just had a fight with Conlon. You know, a good test um, that Shabazz will do, look good and against, and says, you know, it's considered a risk, but. At some point, you have to take risks, and um, that's what Shabazz wants, and, and that makes up for lost time, is what I'm trying to say, having a fight like that. And so that's what I'm looking for, something like that, um, or someone around that level to to make up for lost time, like I say. Just back to Lee McGregor, how was his spar with Dennis McCann the other day? Good, you know, Dennis is a top-quality uh, top fighter. Um, both preparing for their Dennis is going to come again. Dennis and Al are going to come again on Monday. Um, it was really good work, really good work. Um, Dennis impressed me. Um, but it's, uh, it's two lads that are helping each other prepare for their fights. And uh, I know people make up like people want to wear this, that, and you know, it just. I'm not. 
people make up in their in their head that this must happen in gyms and that, but it's just it's just not like that, you know. And when uh, they've got respect for each other, they know each other close knit. Me and Al know each other. You know, you're not going in there trying to. You're going in there to practice things, to work on things, and that's what top quality fighters do. As you approach a fight, a big fight, yeah, it might get different. Um, that's when you, you know, you might pay sparring to come in because it's intense, intense work. Um, but at the point that they're at, you know, they're helping each other prepare for their fights, and it was really good work. And, and Dennis is a top talent. Just before we close off, of course, there's been a big shift in the UK boxing world. We've seen Sky stay in the sport, um, announcing a massive deal with Top Rank. Good, uh, good for boxing, that Ben. Brilliant for boxing. Brilliant for boxing. Um, I would have been very shocked if they left boxing, you know. It's, a, it's, a, it's supremely um, popular at the moment. Um, lots of money to be made, as we've seen. Um, so, yeah, very pleasing. Um, good, for good for everybody. Good for, good for fighters that, you know, like I was mentioning about Shabazz, you know, he's got, he's, he's got offers from, from a couple of different promoters. However, fighters that aren't signed to bigger promoters... Um, there's opportunities there. Obviously, Boxer is, is the promotional company has got got uh, got a job there at Sky, and and they'll be looking to sign fighters. So there's opportunities there for fighters that aren't signed, um, or fighters that even are signed but not get any opportunities to then get more opportunities, which is always good for for the people involved in the sport and the fighters. Definitely. You've been watching the Euros? Not one game. No. Nah, no right. interest. I'm just not not interested in 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 the football. You used to play a lot. I'm sure you used to watch it a lot as well. Yeah, I just got no. I can't watch a game. No. Do you know what it is? I'm here all day. By the time I get back, watch some boxing, study the boys' opponents, or study the boys sparring, or do this or do that, and then have a little bit of family time. It's too tired. Not too tired. It's the day's gone. You know, <laughs> day. I was speaking to my mate last night. Days go like hours. Weeks go like days. Time just flies. So. Yeah, I haven't had the time for the football. Okay. Okay. Uh, just before we go, shout out to Brains Pure CBD, Wow Hydrate. Um, anyone else? No. That's it. Wow Hydrate. Um, Brains Pure CBD. Yeah. If you need any CBD, go to brainspure.com. Um, hashtag made better, so it must be good. Get you a job, won't we? <laughs> what do you think I've come for? <laughs> Ben Davidson, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV at the MTK Performance Centre and I'm sure we'll speak soon. No problem, mate. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast sponsored by William Hill in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.